Welcome! Welcome St. Louis City fans to another episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Turner, and joining me in our studios in Southern Illinois is a man who's been speaking with a fake and unconvincing South African accent ever since Yabulo Bloom arrived to begin training with City. It's our polylingual producer, Mason. How are you doing today, Mason? I'm not doing this. You cannot make me do this. <laughs> I will not be blackmailed into doing this. You, I will not. <laughs> okay, I lied. <laughs> and also joining us from the city of St. Louis is a man who wonders if despite all the hype around the MLS preseason matches, if they're all just glorified practices, it's Chris Zimmerman. How are you doing this week, Chris? <laughs> I also will not be slandered by this because I would not have made spreadsheets if they were just glorified practices. Okay, they are, but I made spreadsheets about them, so they're important. <laughs> they're spreadsheet worthy. The spreadsheet validizes the practice. That's how it works. <laughs> yeah, let's just be honest. I lied again. Anyway, we're not here to talk about us. We're here to talk about our favorite team, St. Louis City SC. And yes, as I mentioned, uh, St. Louis City began the preseason. This week, the first competitive matches in their MLS history. And uh, they started off with a 2-2 draw against uh, Philadelphia Union and a 4-0 win against Inter-Miami. The first game match was against Philadelphia, if you might recall, was mere seconds away from winning MLS Cup before Gareth Bale uh, nodded home the uh, game-tying winner at the stroke of death of extra time. Uh, Second to last goal ever in his career. Yep. And uh, against Philadelphia, it was a standard game. We'll more on that later. Um, Two 45-minute halves. And as usual in preseason, there was two different 11s that got the run out, one starting each half. In the first half, you had Roman Berkey, uh, Samuel Pedro, Josh Yarrow, Tim Parker, Owen O'Malley, Miguel Pierrez, Edu Leuven. Isaac Jensen, Indiana Vasilev, uh, Rasmus Alm, and Klaus. So that's a pretty formidable lineup right there. And uh, But in the early stages, uh, Kai Wagner opened the scoring in the ninth minute after putting away a cross from uh, Julian Carranza. Uh, St. Louis City didn't get knocked down after giving up the early score. They came back and forced a very nice save from Andre Blank in the 19th minute. Klaus then got a got away and put away a ball from Parker in the 43rd to tie the game just before the half. And the second half, we had uh, Ben Lunt in goal, John Nelson, and uh, Kyle Ebert, uh, the uh, trialist, uh, Lucas Bartlett, was in uh, Jake Nowinski, Akil Watts, Azil Jackson, Thomas Ostrak, Jared Stroud, Nico Giacchini, and uh, Samuel Alderon were your uh, starters for the second half in this one. Uh, Alderon. Uh, <laughs> what did I say? Alderon? It's a dinner. Alderon. Uh, yeah. Alderon <laughs> is the planet that got Death Starred. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can just edit that out. And uh, yeah, a dinner on. I don't think I will. <laughs> but uh, I'm the afraid 75th... the fullbacks will be quite operational when your friends arrive. 
Anyway, in the uh, 75th minute, uh, Gino Portala of Philadelphia, not familiar with him, I believe he plays on the MLS Next Pro team, did score from a set piece to put Philadelphia up 2-1. to one. But again, St. Louis City didn't give up, kept pushing and pushing uh, the Philadelphia Union. And uh, Nico Joachini converted a penalty in the 88th minute after he went down in the box, and that finished the match at 2-2. Uh, Roman Berkey made a save on a breakaway in the first half, and Ben Lunt made a back-to-back stops in the second. Uh, there wasn't any stream that any of us could find. We were pretty much following from a uh, Philadelphia a live transcript. It was a, the, yeah, yeah, it was a it was a combination of tweets from Tom Timmerman and the Philly Union live blog. <laughs> Word for the wise, don't read that blog and play the take a drink every time you read the boys in blue game, because that's what I did. And I woke up two days later in Tijuana with a face tattoo. So (laughs) I can't believe you're here. (laughs) Hey, who hasn't done that? I can't believe they let Uh, me back in the country. The face tattoo was a teardrop. uh, The live blog did uh, every time uh, anyone from uh, City got the ball, they just said the St. Louis player. They never mm-hmm. mentioned yeah. a name of a St. Louis City player during the entire yeah, length of the Yeah, that's what I meant. Long. All of the names came from uh, like tweets and an article from Tom Timmerman, who mm-hmm. is doing outstanding work down there with the preseason camp, because otherwise we would have no clue what happened. Yeah, that's what I happens understand. when you have closed friendlies. I understand it's a Philly blog, but like, there's a certain level of passive aggressiveness of refusing to name a single one of our players. Especially somebody as well known as Roman Berkey. Yeah. It is Philadelphia. <laughs> Philadelphia is not passive aggressive. They're, They're just, just aggressive. aggressive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, they had the intern do it because nobody else wanted to do it for a preseason game. So what do you expect? Uh, the intern that's uh, slated to cover the NFL, he's free right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> And uh, the second preseason friendly. Uh, was against Inter Miami. That was played what Saturday, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, as we mentioned in the intro, really a glorified practice, so to speak, as uh, had a unique format. Had three forty-minute periods in this one, so a total of one hundred and twenty minutes of uh, competition. Yours. When I was writing these notes, I did originally type in three forty-minute halves out of like instinct and was like that's not right (laughs) but i've seen disagreement if it was three 40 minute periods or four 30 minute periods like i honestly have not been able to get a solid answer Uh, i was going off of the tweet that i saw on the city sc twitter account that said it was three 40 minute periods but who knows this one they both add up to 120 yeah they both add up to 120 so Yeah. yeah And it was announced before the match that it would be three periods making up this mm. particular glorified practice. Uh, for the first period, sounds like a hockey match. Uh, starting 11 was Lunt, Nelson, Hebert, Parker, Nowinski, Stroud, Leuven, Vasilev, Ostrak, Klaus, and Joachini. Uh, Akil Watts came on for Nowinski in the 23rd in the first half. And... Uh, in the first half, Indiana Vasilev opened the scoring off of a free kick uh, in the f- hmm? first period, <laughs> not first half. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, three halves. You know, what do you want? <laughs> yeah, it's three preseason. Halves. 
<laughs> but we're we're in podcasting preseason as well, can't you tell? Uh, name, Indiana, <laughs> <laughs> changing the name of the group chat to the third half. <laughs> there you go. And uh, Vasilev did open the scoring off a free kick in the 38th minute, and what sight unseen was described as a rather impressive uh, free kick to put that away. Uh, in the second period, uh, Michael Creek got a run out. Uh, Pedro, Bartlett, Yarrow, Watts, Perez, Pompeu, Jensen, uh, Jackson, Adeniran, and Alm uh, started out that period. Owen O'Malley came in for Akil Watts in the 84th minute. And uh, in the second period of this, uh, Isaac Jensen set up uh, Samuel Adeniran. Well, I guess this is a, these uh, times are really getting me flustered. But um, Samuel Adidaron scored in the 89th, and uh, Celio Pompeu put away a penalty in the 105th minute. Uh, strange format, but uh, it ended up 4-0 to City against Inter-Miami. And uh, reports I had that uh, the City press, especially in the first period, was really giving Inter-Miami fits. Uh, so that was working. Uh, Lucas Bartlett... Uh, who did uh, score, he put away a second ball from a corner in the 64th minute, is a trialist. Uh, he's from Overland Park, Kansas. He was the sixth overall Super Draft pick by FC Dallas in 2022. But despite that high uh, slot in the Super Draft, he made just 12 appearances in 1,053 minutes for North Texas in MLS Next Pro last season. And as we mentioned in the intros, Yabolo Bloom did pass his physical, got his work permit. <laughs> that name, man. Yabolo yeah. Bloom. <laughs> Yabolo yeah. Bloom passed his physical and was on the training pitch on Thursday, but did not get a run out during the Miami game. Yeah. If you look at but the lineups. He is here. <laughs> he's here. And if you look at the lineups, it seems that Miguel Perez, who didn't really even play any City Two minutes, I think we have him listed as uh, being on the UPSL team, even. It seems like he was just a placeholder for Blum, um, uh, pending his physical. But we're back in St. Louis for another week of just training before flying out to Coachella, which is a very weird sentence to say. Uh, <laughs> so I imagine Blum will feature very heavily once we get to California. I, yeah. I've already called an episode of this podcast this before, but... St. Louis and the Heartbreakers <laughs> going on tour to Coachella. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you're right about Perez just being a placeholder because he, while the coaching staff uh, praised him at the end of the last MLS Next Pro season uh, for really being competitive in practice, he never really got to play. It was quite shocking to keep seeing him show up in these games. And I think that's what he's doing mm -hmm. is uh, placeholding mm -hmm. for Blum in these matches. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have like an age even listed for him. I know he played for Scott Gallagher, but yeah, we don't know the level of fitness. I know when Bloom when he signed, they were still in season, but that was a while back. And then the delay getting the work permit, uh, he may have some uh, game time fitness issues. But of course, in preseason, uh, you could substitute him off. He only get uh, uh, partial minutes during a match at this time anyway. Just want to make yeah. sure you don't overuse him so he gets an injury. I'm guessing that's why he didn't play in Miami um, was because he flew from South Africa to St. Louis, 
uh, passed just his his medical physical and then got back on the plane and went to Florida. Yeah. So he was on the training pitch, but I imagine that was to pick back up his conditioning because, mm-hmm. yeah, they were in the middle of the season in South Africa, but then he got traded. So he wasn't keeping fit and then took a while to get his permit. And then that was a long plane ride and then another plane ride. Yeah, so yeah. we might, we'll probably see him in Coachella, but we were not going to see him in Miami, I don't think. I don't think fitness is really going to be that huge of a deal. You know, he had roughly a month off, but he's a professional athlete. And by the time we get to California, he's going to have like a week and a half in training. I don't th- I think at that point he'll be back to normal. Mm-hmm. I don't think it'll be an issue. By that since point, is, I think he'll be good to go. Yeah. And since it is preseason, a lot of these guys aren't fully fit either. So it'd be worse if he came in mid-season and had this time off uh, in the secondary transfer window. That would be a bigger uh, deal. But he hasn't trained with the uh, players and uh, gotten familiar on the pitch in the system. So that's another consideration as to how much he will play and when we'll see him. Not a lot we can really tell from these uh, closed-door friendlies, these first two. Impressive that they're able to... uh, Hold out a draw against the Union and, well, got a nice scoreline against Inter-Miami. But again, uh, what effect does this have uh, going into the regular season? Basically not much other than uh, partnerships, how the team got along, how they're uh, learning the system. That's what we'll find out. Uh, You would imagine as an expansion team, they're really working hard to learn the system, learn the coach, and learn their players. They're probably training in a team-oriented style at this point more than the other clubs that are uh, you know, already present in MLS because they know each other. And it's probably just more working on tweaks for those teams. And of course, this is what you listen to the Soccer Capital podcast for, is news that you cannot use. <laughs> yes. Listen, if the preseason doesn't matter, then tell me why I bet my car that we're going to win the MLS Cup after we beat Miami for nothing. Huh? Let's play that one to me. <laughs> it's it's a legacy you are dedicated preseason. to a walkable St. Louis. <laughs> 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 There's that. And uh, all the people that bet all their money on NFL preseason games, which always mm. had me flustered as to why. Uh so that's what we got on field right now for City. Uh, they'll be off this week, and then they'll get ready to go to Coachella. Those are more organized and public matches in a really sort of a round-robin tournament style, if you can call it that. It's just a bigger deal. And that's when we'll really find out more about the team. And hopefully we'll be able to have them streamed and see what's going on while they're in the uh, Coachella Invitational. I remain skeptical on streaming the Coachella games, but with something that we'll get into a little later, there's a little Mm. glimmer of hope. Yep. Any other thoughts from the first two preseason friendlies, guys? Um, Too early to say anything definitive about it, but two good results. Um, A 2-2 draw against, yeah, like you said, a team that was seconds away from winning the cup, and then a 4-0 draw against Miami win basically Miami's backyard. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty pleased as much as I can be. Um something I didn't mention earlier was that I've been pretty skeptical about O'Malley playing right back like they said he would, 
But that's how they lined him up against Philly, and he got the secondary assist on the Klaus goal. So it mm-hmm. seems like it might be working out. So looking like there might be a little bit of egg on my face on that one. Could be. He did. Yeah, because uh, if I recall pull. that it, that sequence, it was O'Malley to Parker. Parker with, a, I'm guessing, a pretty long ball to Klaus, and then Klaus... Um, they did have yeah. video of, of this Klaus run. He he beat out uh, a singular um, uh, Philly defender to put it in. And pretty comfortably put the ball away into the net, which is always good to see when he had the opportunity. Uh, O'Malley was at Creighton. He was a uh, very forward-thinking, attack-minded uh, fullback. So maybe that's where they're going to play him because they really want attack-minded fullbacks in this system. Mm. So... He's got a real. Yeah, it's shot not a bad option time. to have as a substitute if you're down. Yeah, that is true. Catch up, swap out your your right back for someone who's a bit more attacking minded. Could be mm-hmm. useful. And we got some other uh, more business news about the club. Uh, there was a uh, season ticket holder meeting with the ticket reps uh, recently, and there was some informa- information came out regarding season ticket holder benefits. Uh. This was taken from a post on Reddit by uh, a user Burns Win IP. Uh, season ticket holders <laughs> will get right of first refusal for U.S. Open Cup, Leagues Cup, and MLS Cup playoff tickets. If by chance and somehow City makes it the MLS Cup finals, those tickets will not be available as right of first refusal as the league itself handles those tickets. I don't. I think that's pretty bog standard for yeah. major sports leagues. And I imagine if that situation were to come up, it'd be right of first refusal with an asterisk attached. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, but who who knows? Because it's not up to the club. It's up to the league. Yeah. And the league is esoteric and unknown to us. They've got their partners and their... Uh, hangers on their handlers the league employees you know a bunch of other people vips that they'll want to give tickets to so the rest will be distributed you know uh amongst the crowd plus you're going to have the visiting team have some as well in that case but before we get to that in the details (laughs) we've got to get to the cup finals to begin with and that's a uh, i I would say a bit of a stretch in the first season (laughs) Uh, and be the higher seeded team so that we host it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm not going to worry about that too much. If it happens, great. Then we'll worry about that. But uh, that's a long ways off. Another thing that came out, at least from this post that uh, on Reddit, was uh, only St. Louis City gear would be allowed in the supporters section. Uh, there was some confusion and consternation over this. Initially, it was stated that the club had said no gear for other teams, including international clubs, U.S. national team, or even past St. Louis clubs. Uh, unclear from the post detailing this, that this will also include supporters group gear, Luligans uh, jerseys, etc. Uh, but there was a clarified tweet by Caleb that uh, no opposing team colors will be allowed, but other gear is allowed. Which is good. Which <laughs> is more is more reasonable and more in line with what you'd expect. If yeah. they, and kind of what he said on, at least when I took the supporter section tour, he kind of said, I'm not going to stop someone from wearing like a blues jersey in the North End. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it turns out um, Reddit user Burns when IP may have gotten a detail or two wrong. 
I <laughs> can't um, trust anyone yeah. anymore, man. <laughs> you're trying to tell me that <laughs> you're trying to tell me that I don't have to call up Moe's bar and ask for <laughs> ask for IP <laughs> Burns Win IP to get all of my up to date and 100 percent accurate <laughs> St. Louis City news. That's where I get mine from. <laughs> but uh, you know, also with that, as strict as it was first presented. Uh, would be bizarre. How would that be enforced? Mm-hmm. That would be a tough thing to do in the first match. I can, yeah. This this yep. clarified tweet makes a lot more sense. No, you do not want opposing team colors or any other team's colors in your supporters section. That that's mm-hmm. pretty standard. Yeah, someone misunderstanding something and then Caleb having to clarify is pretty standard day at the office for him. But. Yeah, and I don't think that's sorry. going to change. I think that'll continue as long as he's with the club. Yeah. And, and with whoever takes his place if he does get advanced or leave the club. So, Speaking of people misunderstanding this post, one of the other details was that there would be no non-soccer events for the next three to five years. But I saw a few people taking it as meaning there will be no non-city events at all. So... We aren't going to get any national team games. You know, there's not going to be anything like the Gold Cup. And no, it's not true. It's just no non-soccer events to let the pitch mature a little bit. So won't be any high school football or marching competitions or concerts. Yeah. But soccer events. The thing thing is is that we're already like 95% sure that that would be bogus because we're we're probably going to host a Leagues Cup game there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, Leagues Cup would be a city game. That I'm would thinking. be a city game. I suppose, team. but yeah. I would I would suspect that we host a, probably at least now a national team game every other year and a Gold Cup event every four years. That's kind of what I'm guessing. I could see guessing. us at least, at least getting one U.S. friendly pretty soon. Yeah. Well, I mean, because... Um, Kansas City hosts, on average, the men's team once a year and the women's team once a year. Plus, they have hosted Gold Cup matches at least two games ever since that stadium opened. And I'm just hoping we are basically now going to be splitting that with them. But who knows? I don't care if I win as long as just Kansas City loses. That's true. (laughs) And boy, does we're allowed to say it because Sean's not here. Hmm. I think he agrees with us now. Uh, the man has, he's renounced his fandom of sporting Kansas City. He has not renounced his fandom of Kansas City, Missouri. And for that, I will not forgive him. Yeah. Honestly, that's even more embarrassing. It is. <laughs> it's true. Speaking of which, sidetrack, it is so embarrassing how many people jumped ship to the Chiefs when the Rams left. Do you have any shame, people? <laughs> Look, I was never a fan of the National Football League to begin with, so I didn't have that problem. Yeah. I stopped being any fan at all of football after the greatest show on turf. Yeah. They don't play till later, but I'm just... Let me see. Let me check ESPN. Yeah, that's not the evening game, because we're recording this Sunday, Sunday afternoon, but oof, would love to see them lose. Well, that's what we got for the MLS side, but in MLS Next Pro, City 2 had a couple of announcements this week. Mason, you have something on that for us? Yeah, we got a, we got a couple of things. City 2 is also gearing up, um, and then 
a reasonably big signing is uh, they pick up Michael Wenzel from Germany. Uh, he's an American dual national. He got picked up on a free transfer. It's a two-year contract through 2024 with an option for 2025. It's an MLS Next Pro contract. He's a 20-year-old defender. Uh, most recently, he was at the German club Rotweiss Oberhausen. And he was originally a product of the München Gladbach system, uh, where I believe he was playing at the München Gladbach 2 team and scored two goals, I believe. Um, he also has uh, he has caps with both the U17 and U19 German national teams, and I believe has caption- captained at least one, if not both of those, at some point in his career. Um, when this originally came out that we were signing... Uh, Wenzel, there was some consternation because the original rumor had him coming in on a $100,000 transfer fee, which had people freaking out because that is a lot of money to spend on somebody coming from a German fourth tier league, <laughs> fourth mm-hmm. division. But turns out it's on a free. So, yeah, can't say as I well versed in the bottom rungs of the German soccer pyramid, but just to sell somebody short because they're down there, you have to remember Kai Wagner came out of the third division to the Philadelphia Union, and he's developed quite nicely in MLS. I think this is a good move because with Schneider moving up to City 1, someone has to fulfill the Luchfeinenstiel obligatory one German player per team, so it's a good thing we got Vinzel. <laughs> yeah, you, go. you, you got to have a German and you got to have a defender. Make it a German defender. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not a Germany defender, a German defender. Yep. <laughs> I'm killing two birds with one Wienerschnitzel. <laughs> <laughs> Elsewhere in City 2, we've got new coaching staff because a lot of the City 2 coaching staff has moved up to City 1, including original head coach uh, John Hackworth. We know that he's going to be assistant as well as his other role of, you know, his boss's boss. Um, <laughs> so Bobby Murphy is coming in to be the head coach of City 2 for this season. Most recently, he was assistant coach for USL League One side Union Omaha. He's been there for a few years. Uh, he originally, when his first year, helped them win the league title in 2021. And last season, Union Omaha advanced to the quarterfinals of the U.S. Open Cup, where they then unfortunately got beat down by SKC 6-0. But that is just kind of the way that the U.S. Open Cup goes sometimes. Um, Murphy has also been an assistant coach at Rio Grande Valley FC and Orlando City SC. When he was at Orlando, he was interim head coach twice and also served as the academy's technical director. Elsewhere on the uh, coaching staff, we've got Chris Duvall coming in as assistant coach. Tim Kelly is going to be goalkeeper coach. You might know him. And Sam Black is going to be capital P, capital C, performance coach. Didn't know what that meant. Reading his profile, he's strength and conditioning coach. Uh, Sam Black, originally from the Isle of Man, interestingly enough. Um, Most recently was... Strength and conditioning coach for both the men's and women's team at Marshall University. Uh, Previously, he had a similar role 
at Belmont University for the men's team after he had played there from 2013 to 2016. Chris Duval, who's coming in as assistant coach, was most recently assistant coach at Charleston Battery for the USL Championship, which, you know, Charleston Battery is a story team. Um, he's also played in MLS before. Um, and then Tim Kelly, you likely know because he was St. Louis City's academy goalkeeping coach and also has held goalkeeping coaching roles in and around St. Louis for quite a while. Yep. Sounds like a good one. Uh, by the way, Sam Black, when he was at Marshall University, was on the staff when they won the national title. I believe that was in 2020 uh, when that happened. So we got a lineup for City 2. Now all we await is a schedule, which I could not find when I looked it up on briefly on MLSsoccer.com. They have announced a preseason schedule that we aren't going to detail here, but you can find it online. But they don't have like a main season schedule out yet, nor where they're playing roster yet. (laughs) Yeah, or where they'll be playing. That could be important to need to know information too. Uh, So that's really a wrap up of what we've got directly for St. Louis City uh, this week. Anything? Any other thoughts you guys uh, have about uh, the first team? Not about the first team, but we do have another question that got answered accidentally as these things tend to happen which is a radio partner because y98 has a job posting looking to hire a play-by-play announcer ahead of the first match of the season so looks like the local radio thing because KMOX will probably be carrying cardinals games and it's st louis cardinals are king y98 will be the one carrying city games And there is a position open. I assume you probably need professional experience to host it. But, you know, if you want to plug in FIFA and send in a reel, it couldn't hurt. Well, there is that. (laughs) And, of course, this is Just like if you have a really good Rich Sanchez impression, now is your chance. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not official. Just sussed out from a job opening that uh, was found on the Internet. So we'll wait for an official announcement on that and see if it comes to pass. Moving on now to some MLS news. And uh, first of all, we got a big bit of announcement that will affect a lot of St. Louis City SC fans. The MLS season pass on Apple TV will begin on February 1st. Emails were sent to season ticket holders as an alert that this begins. It's part of the uh, a complimentary part of the season ticket member accounts. Um, and that is a league-wide and uh, initiative, not one instituted solely by St. Louis City SC. Uh, if you're a season ticket holder, you'll get an email on February 1st how to log in. Uh, one important thing to note is MLS Season Pass subscribers will be able to share their membership with up to five family members via family sharing on an Apple device. So if you have an iPhone, iPad, some other device. I'm not sure if that works also because Apple TV is can also be downloaded to a Windows PC, if that applies to that as well. I haven't looked into that, and I probably should have. Uh, I'm actually, I'm doubly curious about this now, too, because I was, one thing I was very much interested in is, is this going to be involved, included as part of family sharing uh, for Apple accounts? But then also... Yeah, with you specifying Apple devices, because like I got this wrong in the past, but you can get Apple TV on like 
set-top boxes, Roku, window PCs. I've got it on my PlayStation 4. Yeah, it, you can get it elsewhere. So, um, what it's available are the, through a browser, web browser as well. I think an Apple account will give you uh, family sharing. But don't hold me to that. We'll have to look into that. Yeah. Way to be humble with the PS4. Yep. And of course, since it's family sharing, we are a we big happy family here at yet. Soccer Capital as well. <laughs> Look, Chris, I don't make enough money podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> None of us do. Uh, yeah, you didn't win the lottery yet, so no PS5. <laughs> yeah. Or is that not true anymore? I don't know. It came out when my roommate really wanted one and didn't get one, and I haven't kept up to it. I, th- I think now after two years after release, I think they have finally said that there will no longer be a shortage, which, okay, <laughs> sure. That's helpful. Uh, now, this uh, all pertained, to, pertained mostly to season ticket holders themselves. But, of course, the February 1st date is uh, the project going public. Uh, we're just uncertain what content will be available on that date. Wondering if uh, the Coachella Invitational will actually be a trial run for Apple TV. We don't know. Interested in finding out. Uh, MLS Season Pass does promise the ability to watch every city and MLS regular season playoff and League's Cup matches this season. There had been some questions about that. Uh, They are promising match replays and highlights, hundreds of live MLS Next Pro and MLS Next matches. Boy, this is an ambitious project, folks. And uh, the one thing fans have been aching for from TV partners since the inception of the league, this will have plenty of additional content around teams and the league, including pre-match shows, analysis content about the clubs. There'll be short videos about the club and its players and other original programming. Uh, MLS now, with this deal, MLS now has something special in North American sports, primarily total control over what content they want to produce and how much of that content is available to viewers. The NFL comes close to this, but they don't have control over the outlets of, um, you know, the networks and other outlets that they use, like MLS will have uh, somewhat with Apple on this. Also, coming with this is something else everybody's been screaming about. MLS will have a consistent standardized schedule for matches. Hooray. You can pretty much count when you can watch an MLS match. That's something brand new in league history. Uh, You know, if Fox, which is uh, signed up for a legacy media contract with MLS, if they want to broadcast matches under their own agreement, they're going to have to stick to this schedule because Apple is the primary, uh, you know, content provider for MLS. Um, and why is this only now happening? It's because with Apple coming in, they're paying a lot for this. $2.5 billion over 10 years. So MLS is no longer going hat in hand and uh, begging for scraps from the networks. They're now in control of their destiny when it comes to showing the matches. That's a good thing. Um, the bad thing is it'll cost you $99 a season or 20 bucks a month if you want to watch. 
There might be some people that sign up the first month or wait and see if they want to do it later if they get it, uh, especially as SC kicks on in St. Louis. It might uh, grow over time. And a thing to remember here is this is going to be the first year of a very ambitious project that's had precious little lead time. Their time to get this running has been done in months instead of years, as uh, sometimes happen with uh, deals. Like NBC had a lot of lead time to get ready for the English Premier League and knocked it out of the park. MLS is doing more and uh, trying to get it all done in a very short amount of time. Um, I would expect, as you tune in, especially on February 1st, that the production will be, let's say, uh, let's say a work in progress uh, throughout the year. There's there's two things here that leave me doubly skeptical of this production being great off the bat. And that is um, when Apple... Uh, got a deal to broadcast select MLB matches last year. I just called a baseball game a match. Okay. Uh, (laughs) MLB games last year. Um, uh, They did not do a very good job. Quite frankly, the studio sets that they had or the studio sets that they had were very boring, uninspired with very little actual interesting news about either team. Um, the broadcast was adequate, but they had a very small skeleton team of broadcasters that had to cover several different teams over like over the whole season. They never stuck in one place. Um, and then the flip side of that is, oh, well, Apple's not covering the broadcast. MLS is MLS has even less experience with this. <laughs> um but I think that, like, with it being an MLS-led production, at the very least, MLS has some stake in seeing MLS presented well. So they might at least put a little bit more effort into it. Although with the lack of experience, I could see that being an issue. They've got some experienced broadcasters on the team already, but they need a lot more. And with, yeah, kicking like starting on the 1st of February, I haven't seen another list of broadcasters announced. So Mm. I will say Albert hitting his seventh home run, 700th home run, not his seventh home run, was on (laughs) Apple TV. And it was a pretty decently handled broadcast. So I'm not too worried about it. But um, only thing I have to comment is this that score bug on Apple TV looks so boring. Yeah, it, it looks like every Apple product, which is safe and rounded square. Mm. The no one thing to be seen. The one thing to keep in mind here is this is a 10 year plan project with billions of dollars behind it. I don't think it quite had that same level with Apple TV. They were dipping their toe in the water, so to speak. In this case, they have dove directly into the freezing <laughs> river coming out of the sauna in this case. So I expect a little higher level. But like we said, they've had very little lead time. It could be sparse and spare this first season as they grow and figure out what they're doing. We'll see. We don't know. We haven't had news. We'll find out in just a matter of days, though, what it's going to be like. Um One thing about it is it's surprising that the MLB on Apple 
was like that because Apple usually demands a very tight control on anything that is associated with their corporate environment, as anybody that's really familiar with Apple knows. Uh, uh, so, well, I mean, if a- there's one thing that I will say about MLB on Apple TV, it's that it did it it very much fit Apple's corporate aesthetic, which was bland and boring and safe and easy to digest. That could be. That's not necessarily always MLS's uh, aesthetic, mm-hmm. though. How often of uh, when they break away from boring and bland and all that is just simply because of personalities or <laughs> mistakes, let's say. Uh, I do expect overall for all the clubs across the league, there's going to be a lot of clubs that are going to have a higher level of production than they have been receiving from uh, the regional sports networks. That just really seemed to, wow, sometimes the production, you watched around, you saw production on ESPN Plus that of games that just were shameful in the quality of their production. There's also a rumor out that we haven't heard all of the match announcers, but of course, Taylor Twellman's the big one out there. But the rumor is that match announcers will be assigned regions rather than specific teams, that's to cut down on travel cost. And I imagine the announcers that would cover a specific event will be based upon their region and the home team there. Uh, you know what? Given the fact that after the pandemic, so many, so many of the other sports and leagues went into remote broadcasting, including the New York Yankees, uh, I, I kind of expect in the future that uh, this sort of idea of just having announcers around certain leagues in regions might be picked up by uh, leagues, especially if uh, the money, because of the the beginning of the demise of regional sports networks, if the money dries up, if this might become more and more of a thing. But we'll find out how it works with MLS. And it's just a rumor. I haven't got anything solid on that as of yet. But I think it's this a pretty feels strong like it's report. it's splitting the difference, but it it, it because it mm. really what it feels like is actually just to save on labor costs for broadcasters because yeah. you still have more broadcasters than you need to do like, you know, however many people in just a studio in New York but not enough to do every city. And so you get the worst of both worlds instead of the best. What it does is just, a, a, it saves on hauling the production team from, let's say, inter Miami uh, all the way to the West Coast to Seattle and then flying back across the country and then two weeks later flying out to uh, San Jose. That's what they're looking at. Yeah, not having a designated voice for the team is, it's going to suck, a bummer. you know. Yeah, the blues hockey doesn't feel right without Kelly and Panger. So NFL's done fine without it. Yeah, but not having a combo like that for cities gonna suck, and especially that this is our first year, so we're never gonna have something like that, or at least for the next ten years. Uh, You know, it's not the best thing. But if the rest of this all works out, then it's a good price to pay. I think. Yeah. Of course, but like that void on the other side, by it's like, podcasters you know, like us. <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, you know, on the other side, you know, say what we what you will now about Dan McLaughlin. But like, 
yeah, missing out on that 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 historic Albert home run call from from Danny Mac, it sucked. <laughs> the mm. call wasn't as good. Yeah. I thought the announcer for that handled it real well. He handled it well, but it wasn't Danny Mac. Yeah, and it was a Mets guy. Like, yeah, even worse. (laughs) Look, as much as I jokingly say, let's go Mets, baby, love the Mets, I do not, in fact, love the Mets. (laughs) Now, one thing you'll get with this is, yes, the announcers will have a little expertise on our club and the other clubs in the region, but it won't be like someone that's embedded with the team. As we're very used to in baseball, um, of course, in baseball, the announcers have a lot of time to fill uh, with stories and all that. Uh, there's a little more action in a in a soccer match than uh, yeah. in a baseball game. We probably aren't going to get Jimmy Ballgame talking about his son's Little League results. <laughs> now, where we will get um, expertise is, uh, I believe... Not hold, don't hold me to this, but I believe there will be specific uh, pregame shows held by the clubs and club managed uh, content uh, covering uh, the matches and the team. So we will get that. It just won't be during the the match broadcast. It'll be uh, that thing that we've never had in MLS. Other programming to watch to get that. You think there's going to be stuff from the clubs? I could see league features on the clubs, but it's going to be handled by the league. I don't imagine there's going to be a lot of club-sanctioned stuff that is not also vetted by the league. There's been some talk out there that uh, it, you know there will be people in charge of uh, handling these shows for the clubs themselves. Mm. And the clubs are going to be responsible also for providing content regarding their club's history, short vignettes, uh, about the players that will run, you know, on a rotating basis throughout the season, downtime, etc. So we're just going to have to see how it works. Sure, but that's that sell stuff that's coming down by mandate from the league and then going back up the chain to the league. There's not going to be stuff that just the clubs put out on their own. I mean, I can imagine it being the league basically trusts the club to put out something that's professional and if something maybe oversteps their guidelines then there'll be a problem but i mean st louis city does have a vice president of content creation mm-hmm. and so uh, i think maybe they knew this was coming and have been planning for it yes mls okay, has sure. mandated yeah. certain content coming directly from the clubs themselves because mls is funding all this production and they're in charge of it under this uh, agreement with Apple. At least that's what was announced at the original, you know, announcement of the uh, the partnership. And uh, one thing that we'll be getting, one thing I'm excited about this is uh, MLS will provide a wraparound show on match days, in which a uh, whip around show. So you'll be able to find one channel. Uh, you know, red zone like, and follow all of the matches as they go along. Uh, that'll be interesting on uh, dates mm. to catch up on the league and things like that. Uh, or just so. decision day. That'll be fun. Yeah. No, of course, if they're all starting in the same sort of window, mostly we'll be watching our team instead of all the others. But mm-hmm. hey, you know, you're going to have locally certain match start times, but those are windows. Depending upon time zone, there would be some shifts and differences in uh, start times. Yeah, we can all crowd around the uh, 
TV in the Lilligan's truck and watch the first half of a game on the East Coast and then head into the stadium. Yep. That sounds like fun, actually. Uh, big question about this is, uh, ultimately, what does Apple have to gain out of all this? I mean, they, like we said, shelled out $2.5 billion over 10 years uh, for this agreement. If you look at it just on subscriber base, that's 250 million annual subscribers at $99 a year over the length of the contract or 25 million a year. That seems ambitious. So mm-hmm. expect advertising to be pretty heavy and repetitive during all name uh, non-gameplay content. Uh, you know, for that amount of money, it kind of has to be, right? Uh mm-hmm. But with this, Apple gets to jump feet first into the sports game in a big fashion. And it has caught the interest of the uh, industry. Uh, of course, many of those are wondering how big a bath Apple will take on this. But, you know, Apple is the richest corporation on the planet. And they can, if anyone, uh, make such a massive gamble. But uh, saying that, they wouldn't do it unless they thought there was a risk-reward uh, factor in beneficial to them in regards to this. Uh, and with the impending demise of many regional sports networks out there and the rise of streaming only TV content, I think Apple sees a chance to exploit this market. It's, um, you know, for them, a relatively inexpensive option to get in with a major sports league in a full way, uh, Add in the continual increase of soccer fans in North America, the expected bounce from the 2026 World Cup, and the extremely compelling demographics MLS and soccer in general deliver. Um, I think that's what they're really counting on. And so many people underlook uh, the young uh, demographics that soccer delivers. They're very big to advertisers and for marketing. So I think Apple is looking at a a small way to become a big player. And uh, we'll see. See how it works out. I mean, if MLS continues to grow and we move less from being the big four sports and more to the big five sports in the league, having a monopoly over one of the big five is it's a good business move. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh MLS uh, regular season matches weren't that far behind NHL on on network TV. Mm. And um, with the demographics of soccer and of MLS, we really don't know how many people were watching on streaming services of these matches. And that demographic really favors those that are on streaming. So if you're just looking at TV numbers, you're not getting a full picture of the actual audience out there for these games. Uh what that number is and how big it is, it's really hard to say because those numbers generally aren't put out on public display like uh, broadcast TV audience numbers are. And of course, with this, there's a big, you know, MLS is under pressure. They've got to deliver now. Stakes are high to get it right in the beginning. But remember, chances are very low that it'll begin as seamlessly as you would expect, especially given the uh, quality benchmark the NBC set with their investment in the English Premier League. Uh, With the League's Cup now a real and really big thing, MLS is under tremendous pressure uh, to conform their structure uh, more like other soccer leagues around the world. That's a big barrier to some fans 
is the way that it works. Now, I'm not saying pro promotion relegation. That's never going to cut it in big time North American sports. Ownership views that as a terrible, god-awful uh, business plan. Uh, but, you know, pressure to increase spending, get a higher quality of pay, that's going to increase. Though, still, there's uh, many owners within the league that think the structure is just fine right now, and they're doing quite well, and they're happy with the growth that we've seen. Uh, so that's a pretty good rundown of what to expect and what I'm expecting out of the MLS season pass uh, partnership with Apple TV. Any uh, last thoughts from you guys? I've got a lot of questions about it that basically are not going to be answered until I sit down to watch the first game. Exactly. Um, what is the format going to be? Um, actually, a lot of my questions aren't even going to be answered until I watch three, four games. What is the, you know, how is the broadcasting crew going to work out? What What is that rotation going to look like if they're going to do regional hosting? Um, I don't know. Quite frankly, with how expensive this deal was, I'm expecting the actual quality of the broadcast to be fine. I'm expecting it to be a perfectly adequate place to watch a game. It's the other stuff, the peripherals, the ephemera that come with watching a sports broadcast that I'm curious about. Mm -hmm. Another big question is, uh, you know, how tilted will the content be towards favoring the league? In this regard, MLS is doing fairly well because, uh, you know, with MLSsoccer.com, Extra Time Radio, there is a very, they've been very open to allowing, uh, you know, criticism and hard questions about the league on there. But will that continue with this partnership? That's something I'll be keeping an eye on. It'd be very on brand for there be plenty of criticism to the, for the league to be allowed, but absolutely none for Apple. Don't even think about it. That is a very, very <laughs> likely scenario right yeah. there. It, yeah, that that's like the most like, likely scenario. And the second one is no criticism of either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we'll a see. head coach pulls out an Android phone and then just a laser beam comes from the sky and shoots <laughs> it out of his hand. <laughs> a drone swoops in and just grabs it right out of his hand with a grapple hook and flies no, the, away. The drone would be if this wound up on Amazon Prime. Apple's more of a space <laughs> laser company. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's a long-winded way of saying, wow, there's a lot going on here. There's a lot to be excited about. Are they going to meet expectations and perhaps be prepared to lower expectations the first season, but don't give in for crap either is what I'm saying. Uh, it, it's a big sacrifice that they're asking fans to make to, to then accept, you know, accept lowering expectations though. I gotta say, cause gotta say it, those a, prices, a lot of yes. people, a lot of people. Yeah. Um, has specifically upgraded their like you know cable or satellite packages in order to watch local regional sports and then you're now asking people who are probably kind of locked into at least a couple of your deal for that to then basically just write off however many years left they got on that deal to then spay how much money on this apple tv deal that that <laughs> 
basically everyone is saying, we'll probably suck the first year. It's not a good look. <laughs> no, no. So there's that tie-in between they've got a lot to deliver. Are they prepared to deliver it? The one other factor, though, is there should be a lot of content out there, especially it's up and running. It's not just matches that you're paying for. You're paying for a, a whole service basically running 24 hours a day. I'm hatching with a lot of replays of uh, certain things, a lot. Uh, but it's going to be full of content, so it's something that you'd spend more than just uh, you know, a few hours a week watching a match. There's going to be other things, if especially if you're a big fan. Uh, to follow up with yeah, that this is going to be the that's this is the one big benefit right because this is on apple tv it's streaming it's not it's not network it's not whatever they choose to put out as programming you could probably go back and watch streams of every game that day you could watch every game back to back to back to back boom 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 watch one live and then go back and watch all the replays boom 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 and then once you're done with that, you could watch, you know, some some, you know, like round the horn stuff, whatever you want. And then, you know, because you're insane and you aren't sleeping, you're probably about ready to watch the next bout of live games. <laughs> yep. So I think we got on long enough on this. We'll find out in a matter of a couple of days to, to how it's going to go. Uh, and not a lot of other MLS news right now. There's been some transfers, but most of the teams are focused on preseason, getting training for the upcoming regular season. We're only weeks away from City's first game on the road against Austin. Uh, one thing to keep an eye on is the Seattle Sounders have been uh, in Europe preparing for the Club World Cup. There is a new thing for MLS. Uh, Saturday, February 4th, uh, they'll go up either against Al-Ali, which comes out of the Africa region uh, team in Egypt, or Auckland City out of New Zealand in the Oceania region. Uh, they'll have a play-in game. If they win that match, they would then face Real Madrid on Wednesday, February 8th in the semifinals of the competition. And albeit if they get there, the final will be on February 11th. A reminder, Chelsea was the champion last season, and they kind of made a big deal about it, to be quite honest, as Chelsea is wont to do. Whom amongst uh, us, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's been a long show, but we got one last thing to go ahead and finish up with. It's U.S. soccer, the U.S. men's national team. Of course, the World Cup is over, but a whole new cycle has begun, and they started it off with the non-FIFA window January camp. And uh, finished it up with a couple of uh, friendlies, and uh, I believe Chris has the information on those matches for us. Yeah, so like Mike said, this is a non-FIFA window, so you have the B, maybe the C team playing. So really, this is just trying to get more edge players some playing time. We did play two friendlies, one against Serbia and one against Colombia. Both were in the LA area. The game against Serbia had uh, the U.S. wearing their tie-dye jerseys and Serbia wearing their Super Mario Sunshine tribute jerseys. <laughs> Didn't go so well for the U.S. One th good thing to note, though, is that we had Gaga Slonina starting in goal, which is hopefully the first start of many. Matt Turner is real great this past World Cup, but having Slonina, who looks like he's just going to be something special, is really great to see on the field. Um, Brandon Vasquez opened up the story in, or scoring in the 29th minute. 
Uh, Luka Ilic sky uh, ties it in the 43rd minute, and then Vilko Simic uh, scored off of a really, really bad mishandling of the ball by Jalen Neal in the 46th minute, right after halftime, and that was it for this match. Uh, we lose two to one. Uh, a few other things to notice: we had um, Alejandro Zendejas, who is a very hot item of the battle between the United States and Mexico. He returned to Club America after these matches, and he the, Mexico had been reprimanded for playing Zendejas in a senior competition without filing the switch from the U.S. So I honestly I'm not fully sure what his status is. I should probably look into that. But it's now, he is a U.S. national team player as far as we stand right now. Uh. He says he leaves it to the administrative types to figure this stuff out. How true that is, we don't know. But, you know, he's still torn between two camps. We'll see how it goes. Very impressive young player, though. Both both sides want him. Mm, yeah. And despite the mistake, Jalen Neal looked good. Uh, the interim head coach, Anthony Hudson, kind of downplayed the mistake, said, yeah, it happens, but whatever. And our second game against Colombia was an exciting game to watch, but it ended 0-0. Um, we had Chucho Hernandez and Christian Arango both playing in the attack. 19-year-old Paxton Arison played, uh, scuffed a shot really badly in the sixth minute, though. Uh, but it was his first ever cap in the United States, and he did play the full 90 minutes. Uh, another young player, 20-year-old left back John Tolkien from Red Bull New York, Looked pretty good. Uh, so another person to watch out for. Paul Ariola earned his 50th cap and again looked threatening from the wing, but 0 0 tie. Nothing happened. And then Matthew Hoppy from Middlesbrough, eh, you know, didn't really impress. And that's it. You know, it's hard to comment a lot on a nothing, nothing draw. He had the ball in the box going on goal. Paul Ariel is trailing behind wide open. All he had to do was square it. He put a lame, a really lame shot right at the keeper. And Ariola was really upset with him and screaming at him in that case. And and just to clarify, Cucho Hernandez and Christian Arango were in the squad for Colombia. Um, bigger players than you would expect in a January camp on this. Yeah, they played and, for Colombia. <laughs> and uh other big news that came out for U.S. soccer is they're set to host uh, Copa America 2024, the Comnibal, the South American, uh, you know, uh, regional championship will be moving to the U.S. was announced in a couple of years. And uh, do you have information on that for us, Chris? Um. Yes. Yeah, so Comnibal... There's only 10 members, so they will always have, in the past, two invited guests, um, including Mexico making it to the finals one year. But they generally have hosted it kind of on a rotating cycle, so you don't have the bid process like you do in for every other major tournament, like uh, Euros or AFCON. So it was Ecuador's turn to host, and the government didn't really give them support. They couldn't really get the stadiums up to scratch to host this tournament, and no other country 
felt like hosting it. Brazil had hosted it the previous two times. Argentina wasn't interested. Chile wasn't interested. There was some talk of Peru stepping in. Didn't really happen. So this ended up being the only option. So it is cool that we're going to be getting this tournament in the U.S., but it really, I don't like having, you know, Copa America Centenario was a lot of fun, but it was a special edition. It was explicitly a special edition. You handed out a different trophy. Um, You know, it's good for the U.S. It's good to host it. It'll be cool to see these games here, but the game is losing something, having this tournament not be in South America where it belongs expanding U.S. The hegemony field, so run kind amok. Of, yeah, it's it's hard to feel excited about this. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, and plus the U.S. isn't automatically qualified. It'll be done through the uh, the years 2023-24 uh, Nations League process within CONCACAF. Not the current one that's going on, the next one, uh, if you're keeping score. The sad part about this is it, the U.S. kind of pushed to get involved in Copa America uh, to play in had put about maybe doing something to host it, but we're but the, the South American countries, uh, Comnibal was kind of put off because in the Centenario, the U.S. took uh, they feel a little too big of a share of the proceedings, which they made the U.S. A lot of money off of that. taking yeah. money from South America. No, we would but- never. This has never happened before, counting on my fingers the number of times <laughs> we have done it. But yeah, the, the sad part about this is the reason that why this came about is that in, within Comnibal, the countries just couldn't get their stuff together to host it in South America. And that's kind of telling uh, about what's going on there. Brazil could have done it. But nobody wanted them to host it for the third straight time. They're hosting everything in South America right now. So it's coming to the U.S. Yeah. You know, the way the ball seems kind of happy about it, to be quite honest. You know, nowadays to host any of these major tournaments, you need modern stadiums with a lot of amenities and press boxes and, you know, massage chairs for the luxury suites and everything. And that's just not how South America tends to run you know brazil has stadiums like that because they hosted the world cup in 2014 argentina has a few quote-unquote modern stadiums but most places you know it's concrete terraces not even safe standing like they have in europe yeah awful i i don't like that yeah (laughs) this direction i'm not gonna lie and like the 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 thing is is that like the reason why those stadiums are like that in South America has a lot to do with US intervention in South America mm-hmm. but that is mm-hmm. a thing that goes back decades and is beyond our scope. Uh the other thing is in the US it's a turnkey operation especially for the summertime tournaments because we have state you know state-of-the-art stadiums sitting empty during the summer that are for NFL teams, and that's where we expect most of these to be played. People are interested in knowing if the cities uh, that are slated to host the 2026 World Cup will be involved in this tournament. We just don't know that. There's a lot of sketchy details about the whole thing, as well as something else that was announced with this. Um, Conrad Ball and CONCACAF uh, announced a 
let's call it a Final Four style comp- club competition featuring the best clubs, two best clubs from each region, how that will be set up and who will qualify from each region. They didn't have any details on that. Does sound kind of interesting, though. So you get Club America and LAFC going against River Plate and, uh, you know, Flamingo. Yeah. Yeah, it's that, that. That has a chance to be very exciting to try to watch and, and see how it goes. Or we get to see Cruz Azul get absolutely spanked by Boca Juniors. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> I yeah. think it's going to be option two. <laughs> Leave Cruz Azul alone. <laughs> <laughs> it's Atlas that uh, would probably really stoin. I, I am I am the tragic Cruz Azul supporter on this show. <laughs> yeah, he could pick a worse team. I got a feeling, mm. but I think that's about enough for this week. What do you guys think? Should we wrap this up? I have had quite enough of you freaks, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm your. Host of this freak show, Mike Turner. I'm your producer, Mason. And I absolutely love talking about TV deals, and my name's Chris. <laughs> we are the Soccer Capital Podcast. If you're still listening, well, thanks for listening. Bye for now. <laughs>